Hello, hello, it's Elizabeth Busby here, and welcome to Discerning Marriage. Today, we are talking about how to be physically intimate in dating without sinning. So to start, let's define the word sin. We think so much about like the morality of it, like if I do this, I'm gonna go to hell, which, sure, but let's get under the reason why that would happen. What is a sin? Sin is actually an old archery term. So when an archer would shoot their arrow and they would miss the mark, it was called a sin. Sinning is actually seeking something other than God to make you happy. That's at the root of it. So what's actually happening in sin and why it's so devastating is not actually the consequence to you that you may end up going to hell. What happens is that it hurts you and it hurts God, and it pulls you out of his loving embrace, and it tricks you into thinking that something that you are engaging in is going to ultimately satisfy you, which can set you up for a cycle of seeking satisfaction in something other than God, and that will never make you happy. So when we talk about sin, I want you to be thinking about it from that perspective, like how to engage in physical intimacy in a way that does not pull me out of the embrace of God, how to engage in physical intimacy in a way that will lead to my ultimate happiness. So from that framework, having reframed this idea, how do I engage in physical intimacy when I'm dating in a way that will lead to my happiness? Okay, let's go. The primary rule, the framework that you are needing to think through here, the framework that you use to make all of your decisions is, does the action that I am engaging in lead to physical climax. What we know about God's design for intimacy is that climax belongs in marriage because it is a procreative and unitive action. So when your body climaxes, it communicates to the other person that I am here freely. I am here totally. I'm giving all of you. I'm holding nothing back. I'm faithful to you. You're the only person who's going to receive this gift of my body. And we have the opportunity to make our love fruitful, either spiritually, emotionally, or physically in the form of a baby. That is the purpose of the climax in the human body. That is why it exists in the intimacy between a husband and a wife in a vowed marriage. So when you are engaging in activities that lead to climax and you're not in that space, you are lying with your body because you don't have all four of those things. You may be there freely. Please, Lord, let you be there freely. You may intend to be faithful, but without that vow, there's really nothing holding you there. You may intend to give yourself all the way or really probably most of the time you're not because when you're engaging in climax outside of marriage, you're usually using some form of contraception that holds your fertility back. And then you're not engaging in something that is fruitful, meaning it's not an ideal environment to welcome a child. So you're probably attempting not to welcome a child in that space. Now, whether you're engaging in actual full-on sex, whether you're engaging in some sort of what I would call like a foreplay activity that leads to climax, with the climax being the end goal, not sex being the end goal, if that makes sense. It's not, you're not using it as a foreplay but it is a foreplay type activity that would lead to a couple having sex. When you are engaging in those things without the protection and bond of marriage, you are lying with your body. So the goal, the goal in your intimacy is to not have that climax be the focus. For some of you, particularly people who are extremely sensitive or people who have a history of pornography and masturbation, your options are going to be very limited because the more you climax, the more your body wants to climax. So if you've engaged in a lot of these activities in the past, 
you're going to have very limited options of what you can do moving forward in a way that upholds your dignity that doesn't lead to climax. So in order to know that about yourself, or rather in order to communicate that to your partner, y'all need to be comfortable with something along the lines of, this is really arousing, I need to stop. That sentence is very scary. It feels really intimate. It feels very emotional. It is really intimate. It is very emotional. It is very vulnerable, but it is a necessary piece of every couple's repertoire. You need to be able to say that. You need to have the self-awareness in your body of when you're heading toward climax. You need to communicate that to your person, and then you need to stop. You need to get up, get off the couch, get off the bed, get out of the car, wherever you are, move your body away from the situation, give yourself some time to physiologically calm down because your body's ramping up, you wanna unramp it, but that is a way to do that. That's a way to engage in the physical activity. Knowing that the boundary is climax, leading climax producing activities, recognizing when you're getting there, being able to stop and say, I'm getting aroused, I need to stop, and respecting moving away from that. Now, for a lot of people, what this is going to leave are things like holding hands, Things like snuggling, things like kissing, probably without tongue. Some of you people can kiss with tongue and not get aroused, but I will tell you that physiologically, the exchange of saliva is the first step in releasing the hormone called oxytocin, which is one of the hormones that is produced in climax. So for some people, kissing with tongue is something that is just a little bit too arousing, so you can't do it until you're in a place where you are able to be fully aroused, which is marriage. That may seem bold for some of you, but if we're drawing the limits, that's the fact, you have to know in your own body, some of you are gonna be able to do it, some of you are not gonna be able to do it, and the way to do it is to communicate that. And so you may be thinking, that doesn't leave me a lot of options, to which I will reply, I know. You need to get a hobby. You need to get a hobby, that is it, physical intimacy. <laughs> you need to go do something else um, that shows and communicates your love for each other that is not physical intimacy because they're just, there are not a lot of options for displaying physical intimacy that upholds your dignity before you're married. So filling your time with other things and focusing on different kinds of intimacy. When you learn, I did not make this up. I took this from um, something called the Creighton model of fertility care intervention, which is not something I'm going into right now, but I just wanted to cite my source. There are multiple different kinds of intimacy and the analogy spice can help you remember that. So there's spiritual, there's physical, there's intellectual, there's creative, and there's emotional. And when you're in a space where you are abstaining from any sort of climax focused activities, which doesn't leave a lot for physical affection, focus on another form of intimacy. Focus on the spiritual intimacy. So praying together, going to adoration together as a couple, going to daily mass, those sorts of things, reading scripture together, skipping physical. Intellectual, so reading books together and talking about them, listening to podcasts together and talking about them, watching discerning marriage YouTube videos and talking about them. Those sorts of things can be helpful. Creative energy, go out and learn a sport, go out and learn an art, go take an art class, go take a baking class, a cooking class, do something fun like that. Take a food tour around your local town. So many fun ideas for creative intimacy and emotional intimacy. So make sure that you are going on long walks and sharing your hearts, talking about your dreams, talking about your past, talking about your hopes for the future, talking about all sorts of things. And I have one other practical tip when it comes to cuddling that I always like to give anybody who asks me for my advice, one person should be vertical at all times. If you're cuddling, if you're watching a movie, if you're doing any sort of, like if you're reading books together, if you're, whatever you're doing, if the two of you are physically canoodling in some way, one of you should be vertical at all times. If one of you is horizontal and one is vertical, you're a lot less likely to find yourself like on top of each other, engaging in really intense physical intimacy. So those are my tips. 
I hope this was helpful. I tried to have this conversation in a lighthearted way because I know that if you're watching this video, maybe you have stumbled and fallen and have a lot of shame, have a lot of guilt. And this is not the sort of thing that I want to instill guilt or shame or anything like that. Jesus loves you. There's mercy, mercy, mercy for all of you. So I've tried to keep kind of a lighthearted tone in this, but if you are feeling heavy, if you are feeling like you have a lot of shame, have a lot of guilt, run to the merciful heart of Jesus, okay? The advice that I gave you in this video absolutely holds, but what you would need in that instance is the mercy of Jesus. So throw yourself at his feet like a little child and let him comfort you and love you and speak over you, your dignity and your worth and your value. I am praying for you. I hope that you have found something helpful here. If you did, please like and subscribe and click that notification bell. It blesses us here at the Institute. We then know the sorts of things you're interested in and the videos you want us to make more of. It blesses you because you always know when a new video is dropped and it blesses the internet as a whole because it pushes these videos up for other people to see. So please do that. It blesses us so much. And until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. Bye. <laughs>